This is an Area Code podcast. You're listening to The Table of Malcontents, where Aaron Armstrong, Dave Schrader, and Barnabas Piper talk about the books they love and a few they really don't to help you be a better reader. Books and podcasts are always best with a great cup of coffee. That's why we've partnered with Ligaris Roasters to create the Table of Malcontents blend. And guys, it's delicious. A smooth Brazilian roast that will make your heart happy. Head over to LagarisRoasters.com to order a bag or 12 today. Hey everybody, welcome to today's episode of Table of Malcontents. I'm Aaron and with me as almost always is Barnabas. Barnabas, what's going on, man? Well, I'm here and Dave's not, so... That's true. Feel superior. As you should. Yeah. As you should. What is he doing anyway? Do we know? He claimed he was working. I don't buy it. It's Friday. He's it's true. Hanging out with his dog or cats. More likely his cats. Yeah. I saw that they're maybe, trying to give away eighty-seven body, cats. Maybe, maybe that they his have body right now. Really, they have eighty-seven. Well, something in that like case, that. in that case, they probably ate him or something. <laughs> it's entirely possible. That's been our great fear, isn't it? You know, fear is a little strong. It's just more like a prediction. Concern. I'll, I'll feel a sense of self-justification when we find out that Dave was devoured by his cats. All right. Like, yeah, see, told you. <sighs> That's true. That's true. I don't have well, empathy for people who willingly bring cats into their home and call them pets. Well, I mean, some people don't know any better, right? <laughs> but Dave does. We've told him. That's true, but he doesn't listen to us. That's fair. Instead, he keeps reading books about cats that are heroes and poetry and the stuff like that. The gospel is foolishness to those who are perishing. The gospel of cats? That's right. Isn't that a false gospel? gospel? Gospel just means good news. That's true. So, but there's say, no good say, news about cats. That's the whole point. Right. We told him the good news. Yeah. Get rid of cats. Yeah, there you go. There you go. <laughs> so, uh, Barnabas, we have, we have a guest today. We do. Uh, who, I, who I didn't even think about might be a cat lover and I'm a cat, a cat hater. Oh, excellent. Well, welcome to the show. You'll feel fit right in. <laughs> That's right. That's Definitely right. Definitely allergic to cats. I'm allergic to the idea of cats. <laughs> the presence of cats, the existence of cats. So it's less like a dander thing and more mm. just an ethos thing. That's fair. Mm. My three-year-old loves cats, apparently. Three-year-olds are She's not to be out. trusted. They're, they're still very moldable <laughs> clay as well. You can... Just start showing is boy or girl? Girl. Okay. Start showing her stories of all the terrible things cats do to other animals and stuff, mm-hmm. and she'll begin to see them as the villains of the story. <laughs> there we go. Didn't work with my ten year old, but no. But I didn't. I wasn't. It was more. This was more like a, a retrospective on what I should have done, and instead, I I didn't try hard enough. Didn't you like cave and get her a cat? Yes. <laughs> so I did the exact opposite. <laughs> But that's because, as a toddler, she was allergic to dogs. So I got her a puppy, and she broke out in, like, hives. And so we had to return the puppy, which was very traumatic. And, yeah, maybe a year later, the co-worker's neighbor had free cats, kittens, which mm-hmm. is also tricky because kittens have appealing aspects to them. Yeah, they're cute. For about, <laughs> well, they're not for, about, for about 12 weeks. That's true. They're not entirely evil yet. Have we actually introduced our guest or we just, we just, dis- we just discussed the very That's foundational true. aspect of mutual cat hatred? That's true. That's true. So with us today is Jen Brogdon. Mm-hmm. And how are you? So thanks for joining us. Um, You're welcome. Yeah. So listeners, Jen is uh, a friend of the podcast, um, longtime listener, um, and a writer on very on lots of websites like uh, Desiring God. You've written for Gospel Coalition too, right? Yes. And I'm actually their intern, so no bashing them. Will be nice. Will be nice. Occasionally, we write for them too. Yeah. 
fair. The only people we make fun of at Gospel Coalition are people we make fun of to their face. So, mm. Like Jared Wilson. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, and we don't make fun of them because we think they're dumb. There's just peculiarities to content format and things like that. That's true. There, there are some predictabilities, like Joe Carter's predictabilities about nine thoughts on whatever. Like, you can, you know it's coming. It's just like a, mm-hmm. it's a, it's a rhythmic thing. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it's mm-hmm. like making fun among friends. Yeah, that's right. Not, not as enemies. No, no. But our, we, our only enemies are cats and Nicholas Sparks that we've come up with so far. So well, and you know, and, and leadership books in general. <laughs> leadership <laughs> books in general, and of course, Mark Driscoll. But yeah, that's sort of. Yeah, that's a that's a whole different thing. <laughs> I've never below. read a Nicholas Sparks book, so you are a yeah. blessed <laughs> you just, human being. A friend of the podcast takes on a whole different meaning when you've never read a, a Nicholas Sparks book, <laughs> and you hate cats. Yeah, yeah. Because mm. I can't say that. I have now read, well, I've read, you read six, a few pages. six to eight pages of a Nicholas Sparks book enough to know that I would, would <laughs> I not. I thought you read the notebook. I, well, he read, I read some of it. S- a few pages of it, okay. and then I thumbed through to look at other pages. And, no, it, it's just the same thing. Mm. Oh, it's it a, terrible. So, it's yeah. absolutely the worst. Mm. Absolutely so the worst. Dave and Aaron read the notebook. Mm. I litmus tested the notebook and, well, and arrived had, at strong conclusions. <laughs> someone had to do some show prep. <laughs> well, yeah. And it had to be me this time. Mm. Thank you for being the grown-up. You're welcome. You're welcome. No, we do a good job of doing about five to ten minutes every episode. Yeah. It's pretty some solid. text messages and then looking at Goodreads and that's, that's about it. <laughs> yeah, that's occasionally, right. Occasionally Twitter. That's right. Although you could say every book we read is show prep. That's the, Yeah, that's the way I justify. There you go. Reading while I'm supposed to be doing other things. Absolutely. Mm. Absolutely. So um, – but we got some good news on behalf of an, another friend of the show. Oh? Yes. So our friend, everybody's friend, Scarlett Hiltabidal, just signed a new bo- uh, new contract with B&H. Was there a nicely angled photo on Instagram with pen and publisher name but personal information perfectly excluded so that nobody knows her address? <laughs> oh, no. She, <laughs> she, she went, yeah, she went a little better. Awesome. There is a selfie. But <laughs> hmm. this yeah, time – because she was with us when we started workshopping what you do, uh, what we need to do differently with our, with our author contract photos. She was so concerned about us making fun of her that she held up her laptop. <laughs> it's really funny. She's literally holding up a MacBook Pro. That's right. We'll put this in the show notes. It's, it's, pretty, it's pretty clever. I've never seen one like that. That's right. So, also, so Also included her children in the background, so it's very like... She's she's a it fits it's, it's the a very, farm it's a very, aesthetic right well, now. It's a very real world kind Absolutely. of thing. Mm, Absolutely, people want to buy our book. That's right. Yeah, that's right. So, uh, so Scarlett, good job. We know you're listening, um, and we know your kids are going to make fun of us um, too. <laughs> I didn't watch that video. I don't like being made fun of by children. <laughs> <laughs> well, to be fair, she actually wasn't making fun. She was just imitating. Okay. Yes. It's so. The greatest form of flattery. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. As they, as they say. Absolutely. They I'm not sure how I feel about a seven or eight-year-old being able to uh, nail my cadence so precisely. They, kids are better at that than adults are. Little sponges. Jen, how many kids do you have? Two. At three, a three and, and a one-year-old. Okay. There you go. So it's crazy town at your house. <laughs> yeah. So three-year-olds. It's been a minute since I had a three-year-old. I recall it being very challenging. That's way more challenging than two. Talk nonstop. Yeah, that's where like the stubbornness Want comes out non-stop. if they are. Yeah. Well, that I never grew out of that one. Um, and then 
But it's also where like the sense of humor starts to come in mm-hmm. because of imitation. So they start imitating <clears throat> sarcasm and occasionally have perfect timing mm-hmm. and make hilarious observations about the world. I recall three like that was the redeeming side of three because most of the time I wanted to just lock my three year olds in a room because they were <laughs> a challenge. But then they were also hilarious. Is yours funny? I think so. Right, that's what matters. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't mean like stand up comedian, just like do they make yeah, you yeah, laugh. Yeah. She gets it from me. That's what I tell Shane. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Your husband's not funny. Um <laughs> Is it like normal that you don't think your spouse is funny? <laughs> Uh, he says fine. I'm a six on the funny scale, so okay. which I voted myself a ten. When you said when you said um, six, I was thinking I thought you were going to go enneagram, and I was like, what does that have to do with sense of humor? But oh, okay, no. we can make jokes was about it that. Was insulting you or something? Well, recently we did this rapid fire thing at mm-hmm. my church with um, some girls at a retreat, and mm-hmm. we were basically asking questions, and one of them was, "What would you rate yourself on a scale of one to ten of how funny you are?" And I looked at my partner and said. I think I'm a 10. <laughs> and she thought it was hilarious, which was boosting my confidence. But right. I went home and told my husband, and he said, Jen, Ellen DeGeneres is a 10. You are a 6. <laughs> that says something so. about his sense of humor if he thinks Ellen is a 10. Mm. That's that's a bit that's a bit polarizing. That is. Mm. I don't think Ellen's a 10 on the funny scale. Well, I think she's a 10 nice. on the pleasant scale. Mm-hmm. Like, she's the kind of person you'd be, like, you'd, be, like, you'd be a good hang. Female but, humor. Well, I don't understand. Di- okay. Right. <laughs> so, I don't. I he mean, doesn't think females are funny, really. So, saying wow. she's a 10 is. <laughs> well, I don't. All right. I guess I don't. I haven't really broken down humor into male and female humor in my mind, which might not be fair by me. Is there a difference, really? I don't know. I don't That's know. what I'm saying. I what never broke it down. Mm. As, the, as the female in the room. As the as the expert in the room, <laughs> as the expert in this <laughs> area. Uh, I mean, all I know is, you know, some videos my husband shows me. I don't laugh, and he says his brother would be laughing. And yeah, I mean, like yeah. junior high humor, junior high boy humor is also <laughs> male. This it's like male dis- adult humor in a lot of ways. You're yes. like, yeah, yeah, look yeah, at that. The guy fell and, and injured himself. Let's all laugh. <laughs> That th- you don't think you totally go out of that. Yeah, but to be fair, mo- a lot of people laugh at that, regardless. Of what is mm. so? What is female humor? Mm. Like male humor is just juvenile. I think if we were going to sum it sum it up in a word, <laughs> what the, at least the humor that is distinctive to males. What's the humor that's distinctive to females? I don't know. I'll have to think about it. I don't know either. I don't. Maybe is is Ellen in that category? I know a lot of guys who love her as a comedian. So I don't know that that's distinctive to women. Aaron, thoughts? Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't think. You know, I'm I'm really feeling it today. What does that mean? That means I'm really <laughs> disappointed in myself because I didn't have any table of malcontents blend from Ligaris Roasters. Yeah, I drank some other coffee this morning. It was not good. No, it did not help me put my best foot forward on this episode. Yeah, try harder. <laughs> Fuck I'm up. Try. I'm gonna try. Um, but I am getting funny texts from from uh, from my wife. Speaking of funny children, mm. um, <laughs> so this is from my seven year old son. Mom, next time I take a bath, I think the tub should be cleaned first. <laughs> Shots fired, mom. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and moms mom. everywhere just kind of give up. Like, yeah, absolutely. Like I can clean my children, or I can clean the tub. <laughs> right, I'm not doing both. <laughs> Yeah, so do you, do you have your children saying, Mom, you, you're not doing your job here? Probably more just like if I tell her no. Anytime I tell her no, you're being mean. 
Oh, okay. <laughs> some kind of you like get, that. You get accused of or being the, the main one. Oh yeah. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Or that I'm yelling and I'm just saying, <laughs> "No, sweetie." <laughs> but are you sure you're just saying that? Because like I'll after spending that. half a day with a three year old, hey, you know, "No, sweetie" might might be ramped up a little bit. A little yeah, bit. Yeah, maybe. A little bit. Maybe. Also, so. I'm projecting. So. <laughs> Yes. So, would you? How, how often do you end up yelling at your? Did you yell I, at your kids? I don't know. When they were three. Like I didn't intend to yell at them yeah. terribly often, but I kind of wonder if at various points, like I just sort of reached that manic, like I've had yeah. enough to hear kind of thing. That things. happens like, at I, bedtime. I think for I'm me. speaking calmly, I... and the calm left three hours ago. So, mm-hmm. it's a possibility. It's a good point. Good point. So, being, being a self-aware parent is hard. It is. It is, especially when you know you're tired and they interrupt you when you're reading. It's not, it's not okay. <laughs> not now. Not okay. It's like after 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 eight o'clock or seven o'clock or whenever bedtime is. Um, six thirty. Six thirty. Five. It's what's four. why it's nice when the sun goes it's down at like special at our house. So because um, we homeschool and we put them to bed early and it's great. So um, I like the I like this season where the sun starts going down early because mm-hmm. it's a lot easier to get your kids to bed. I mean, my kids are old enough. I can't really do that anymore. But when they were... Well, because they, they can were, tell time now. <laughs> yes. That and, was your first problem. And wage let them I let them learn, learn how to read. That's what I, that was my mistake. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Literacy yes. and numbers. Wait. No, that's not true. That's the opposite of true. <laughs> well, it, has yeah. its, it has its downsides. Well, I have the advantage of... I have a, I have a 12-year-old who still, still loves to go to bed at 8. I go to bed at like 8.30, so... <laughs> Because you have a three and a one-year-old. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah. That's true. You sleep when they sleep. Yes. So, because you're up at like three a.m. with them, right? So. Not anymore. Thank Not goodness, anymore. But like six. Well, that's good. Oh, yeah. Okay. That's when they. Wow. Go. So they actually let you sleep. That's amazing. Yes, but my three-year-old's in the stage where she comes in my room, crawls in the bed, knees me in the back, lays on my head. Wake up, mommy. So it's almost so. like you've got a cat. Ooh. <laughs> yeah. Are you allergic to your three-year-old? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> By that the end of the day, maybe. <laughs> maybe. Maybe a little bit. A little bit. So, all right. So we should, uh, you know what we should do? We should talk about books because that's what we're here to do, right? We're also here to ramble for a long time before we get there. So we're Absolutely. S- we've so checked, mission checked, accomplished. Check that box. <laughs> mission accomplished. Um, but, Jen, one of the things that um, we talked about um, in some of our back and forth was – uh, was how you used to work with students. Mm-hmm. Um, and a question uh, that I had for you was, did reading play a role in your work with them? Well, the students that I worked with were mostly international students. Ah. So I was teaching them how to read. Oh, good. <laughs> in English? <laughs> yes. So um, they were reading. Yes. and But I was trying to get them off of WeChat and QQ, I think is what it's called. In QQ. Okay. Is that what it's called? Um just the phone. Yeah. Ugh. And then I coached uh, college track and field and cross country. And, yeah, they're just always on Snapchat. So, Are people still on Snapchat? Very much so. I mean, they're on really? a lot of other things, too. But, yeah, it's still a thing. I didn't know that was still a thing. I thought Gary Vee was the only one still trying to make it a thing. He's the only one trying to make it work for business. Oh, there you go. Um, but, no, I mean, there's there's new apps every week. Like the ones you just yeah. listed, I don't haven't heard of. Maybe that's because they're bigger. Well, those are they're international, bigger overseas. Really, mm-hmm. yeah. But now there's Marco Polo. Have y'all heard of that? Yeah. I don't get it. There's TikTok, a few people around Marco here Polo, use that one, etc. I don't use any of them because I'm old. Yeah, yeah. So it's settling into the I'm too old to figure out social media is real comfortable. Yeah. Like, no, I'm just going to do that's this. That's really great. 
and my kids mm-hmm. can roll their eyes at me. But all, that's okay because I get to take their phones away. So. That's right. All uh, all social media, all new social media is on the Murtaugh list for me. So <laughs> I'm too old for that stuff. So what? Uh, so when you're teaching, when you're teaching college students how to read in English, obviously mm-hmm. they know how to. They're fully educated, but just in what what are you what are you working with in terms of English text? So because you, you can't start with like the the juvenile, I wouldn't think because of their intellectual level, their emotional level. But you're starting at the elementary level in terms of just the grasp of language. Mm-hmm. So what is what does that look mm-hmm. like? Yeah, well, mainly we worked on vocab and just sentence structure. Okay. Yeah. So you're not like, even, you're not worried no. about you're worried about just the I mean, grasp these of are language. Beginner, beginner, okay. beginner, Got beginner. It. Okay. Yeah. Where what where are they coming from most of the students you worked with? A lot of Saudi Arabian students. Okay. Mm. Or Chinese. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. So then they got to read left to right too. Right. Yeah, man, that's yeah. Yeah, that's that's I mean, entirely different structure in every single way mm-hmm. alphabet mm-hmm. that's i cannot imagine i mean i can't i can't learn any languages so really i'm trying to learn chinese but <laughs> wow it's bold yeah why it's not as hard as you think yeah. okay but why it might be as hard as i think <laughs> that's a relative <laughs> statement like yes that's like saying running cross country is not as hard as you think well it, oh, it is if, what's I'm that just kidding. <laughs> i love cross country right it's exactly the best sport. yeah um, it, so it's not hard for you it might be hard for because i train some of us uh-huh. not, yeah. not everybody's just enough like you like you watch some people run like there, there are people who run like gazelles and people who run like rhinos and people who like mm-hmm. one of those is one of those is and a runner some run the, like tom cruise <laughs> yeah, Tom Cruise is—he's one of a kind. Um, <laughs> but you look at those and you're like, "Oh, you were built to do this. You were built to do something else." Yeah, that's how I feel with languages mm-hmm. in general. Mm-hmm. Some people are like it's not that hard. I'm like, mm. well, I don't think mm-hmm. I'm good at languages, but okay. Chinese is just easier than I would have thought. It was really intimidating to me, mm-hmm. but hmm, the characters all have pictures of hmm. the meaning. And there's only, they say if you know a thousand words in Chinese, you can be fluent, where in English it's like a hundred thousand. <laughs> so. That's fair. That's fair. I don't think any of us are fluent then, are we, Barnabas? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I have no idea what my vocabulary is. Do you? No. I, I haven't know, thought I about it. I mean, I'm assuming there are tests that they can basically project that out. Like, you just go through and, like, how many words of these do you know? And they kind of can project out, but... Yeah, I've never been tested. I assumed mm-hmm. I was fluent. <laughs> maybe that was a, maybe that was a guess. <laughs> maybe. I mean, I've been fi- I've been finding out how um, I'm not yet fluent in Southern English. Hmm. Um, so well, that's yeah. me. So. Yeah. That's a whole. That's a that's a dialect. <laughs> that's true. That's true. Yes. And then you keep making fun of me for how I say against. Well, that's also a dialect of sorts. It's Canadian. How do you say what? Against. Oh. (laughs) Against. (laughs) I couldn't even tell what word that was. (laughs) That's how he feels talking to people in the South. I I couldn't even tell what word that was. (laughs) I've been here long enough that I can understand people in the South, but I I can't always speak it. So. (laughs) (laughs) That's funny. I can understand it better than I can speak it. It's true. That's the first step, though, right? I mean, it's it's like an immersion program. Right? 
Mm-hmm. I did a I did a two week program where I was in in Quebec for just to do that. So, and then that's a whole other type of French mm-hmm. that is not recognized as real French internationally. But I don't know. I wouldn't know. <clears throat> I wouldn't know real French from fake French. As far as I'm concerned, like Pepe Le Pew is real French. So. <laughs> I'm not cultured enough. It's fine. It's fine. So, all right. So I got a question here. Um, so Barnabas and I are big fans of Frederick Backman. And Is it the, Backman or Bachman? I think it's Backman. I mean, it looks like Backman, but also I we just said Bachman in my head. I think it's Bachman because we just discussed how incompetent we are at the English language. <laughs> <laughs> let's see. Okay. Also, so his name is Swedish, I think. Yeah, so. yeah. Well, he's some, he's, I'm going to go with Bachman. Sure. Okay, so we'll go with Bachman All today. Right. And then we'll go back to Bachman If next he was episode. just Fred, then maybe That's Fred right. Bachman. <laughs> It'd be Fred Bachman. It's yeah. Frederick because it's Frederick with just a K as well. Yeah. So it's Ooh. clearly It's unique. very pretentious spelling. International, not pretentious. <laughs> Fine. What if he's actually from Detroit? Do we even know anything about him? (laughs) (laughs) He's he's from Jackson, Mississippi. Yeah, that's right. (laughs) He just writes about Sweden. (laughs) That's right. That's right. So, um, (laughs) so anyway, Barnabas and I are are big fans uh, of his, and both really enjoyed um, the book Beartown. Um, we were talking about about that, and you decided to jump right in and read it yesterday. Mm-hmm. Okay, the so fastest novel I have ever read. Fa- okay, fastest you've ever read. Uh, yeah. Okay, what fastest is it? I've ever read a novel. What does typical reading time look like for you? Um, I read every night. My mm-hmm. children go to bed, mm-hmm. so seven thirty to nine thirty, I guess. You said you went to bed at 8. I know. I get in the bed at 8.30 <laughs> okay. and read another hour. There it's you like 7.30 to 8. <laughs> Got it. <laughs> no. Every night. It's like, so children's story time? <laughs> no. Okay. There we go. Um, cool. So what did you think of this book? Mm, so many things. Uh, the story of nostalgia, regret, friendship. Um, first of all, it really made me think of my favorite board game ever. You, can you okay. guess? Hmm. Does it remind you of a board game? Nothing reminds me of board games. I try to avoid board games. Oh. I'm not a board games person. Well, I don't play anymore just because kids, but... <laughs> uh, you get the, you, I guess so you get, it couldn't be you Monopoly enjoy- because no one's favorite game is Monopoly. Oh, no, I hate Monopoly. No, Monopoly oh. is, a, is like a friendship breaker. That's true. That's true. Like at some point you flip the board and there's trash talk and there's alliances against somebody and then everybody's... And everyone means it when they when they start saying the horrible things. <laughs> Correct. Yeah, Monopoly brings out the worst in people. Yeah. It says something about greed and capitalism and money and stuff. So. <laughs> yeah, I don't like money. So. <sighs> or counting money. All right, so it's not Monopoly. Okay. Uh, risk. Nope. Clue. No. Clue. There we go. Yeah. It, the very go. first chapter when it's talking about what's going to happen, the mm-hmm. foreshadowing. So I feel like the whole book I was like, okay, who's going to kill who? It's Professor and, Plum in the library exactly. with the candlestick. Yep. Yeah, yeah. But we knew it was going to be in the forest. <laughs> we knew it was going to be a shotgun. Right. But yep. we didn't know who was going to do it and who it was going to be. Also didn't know and what was going to be done gonna, with the shotgun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because mm-hmm. it, it, it left that part opaque. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. It, so anytime someone ran into the forest, I thought they were going to be done. Yep. 
Yeah, I appreciate books that start with the end, but leave it leave it unresolved and then work their way around to it. So I just finished the book Where the Crawdads Sing. Mm-hmm. They author does the same thing. I think her name's Delia Owens. She does the same thing where she starts with this crime scene and this year and then goes mm-hmm. back like 15 to 20 years and builds the narrative up to it. So kind of running parallel storylines, the resolving of this and then how the history led up to it. It was brilliant and mm-hmm. how it's done. I feel like Bachman did the same thing, just kind of on a smaller time frame. Yeah. Or Bachman. Sorry. I'm getting, <laughs> I'm, I'm flying in the face of my own convictions here. It's fine. It is a really cool device. I mean, we see it in movie, we see it in movies and television quite a bit. It's a little more unusual to see it in a book. Um, I think. I think it takes or feel like. I think it takes more work because an author has to, you either have to start with the end in mind so you can't kind of let the story goes, go wherever it goes. And if you do it, certain ways you're running two storylines because there's there's this time frame and this time frame and then they have to meet appropriately which is i'm not a novelist but that sounds really hard to me it's do you write fiction then have you written fiction for fun but i want to that's like my main dream i've done yeah I've, i've never written fiction of any substance because it's just it just feels like staring into a fog when I think about writing it. I'm like, I don't even know how to write a story. That sounds terrifying. Not even a mm-hmm. short story? I mean, I have, like for yeah. school and stuff. But, yeah, I think it's the kind of thing where I just need to sit down and do it. But, yeah. like, you, I read something like this and it makes me less inclined to write fiction because I'm like, oh, that's what good fiction is like? Never mind. <laughs> yeah, but the, but the goal is not to compare yourself to, to good fiction. The, the goal is just to try I don't want to compare myself to bad fiction. Why not? You can be you can write a better <laughs> fiction book than Nicholas Sparks. Come on, man. It's true. Just remember the bar is really low. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Yeah. <laughs> you can you can do this. If I wanted to manipulate people's emotions, I could maybe do it better than Nicholas Sparks. Absolutely. Okay. It would be Got a it. little more convincing. <laughs> <laughs> and describe things a little bit less. Yes. And I don't know. maybe make Syrupy. your characters slightly less creepy. That's fair. Slightly. Back to good fiction. <laughs> yes. What, uh, so you read the whole thing between yesterday afternoon and this morning at, what, 8.30 or something? Yeah. That's, nice. okay. It was that good. There you go. So it is fresh in your mind. Very fresh. Favorite characters? I'm I don't like, know if that's fair. Do you say a mot or a mat? Or a, I said I, a mot. I, I say a mot. Okay. I like yeah. him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's one of the few characters that sort of perpetually... Uh, sympathetic throughout. Yes. Like you're always rooting for him. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. There's not too many else other than... It's Peter? Is that the uh, the dad's name? That's the dad. He's yeah. one of those. Yeah. Yeah. Benji's very complicated. Mm-hmm. Very complicated. Yeah. Great character, though. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and his story gets... And his story gets more interesting in Us Against You. Against. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Us against you. Again. Well done. You did it. <laughs> and just drop just drop the A. Just go against. Uh, there you go. No. What would you compare this to in terms of like reading this enjoyment? Like how does it compare to like do you have other novels where you're like, oh that book made me feel the same way as this one does? Because for me, I'm bad at remembering specifics about any book. Me too. That's you know, so I'm people are like, who are your fresh. favorite characters? I don't remember. I don't remember any characters' names. Even the ones you just brought up, I took me a second. I was like, wait, who's that? Oh, right. But I remember how novels left an impression on me. Right. So I do not remember the story of To Kill a Mockingbird very well. But I remember that it stood out as the best novel I had read to that point in my life. 
So in terms of like that side of things, how does this compare to other books? So you go, oh, it left this kind of impression. Or maybe you need time because you just finished it. You know, it's still <laughs> settling. But thoughts, So you're asking what book it would compare to? Yeah, or just like how, does it, how did it resonate with you as compared to other favorites right. of yours? Mm. Well, I feel like for a fiction book, this one made me think more about my life, I guess, because there's so many – one-liners, two-liners that are just about life, mm -hmm. you know. So it made me uh, think back to my childhood and think back to my fears, my regrets, all those things. And a lot of times fiction doesn't do that. Uh, you're just so involved in their story. You're, you're only thinking about them and sympathizing with them. So even when I think of comparing, I, I really don't know right now. Yeah, it's probably too soon, but. Mm -hmm. mm. Oh, that's yeah. fair. Yeah. No, I just it, the reason I ask is partly partly because I I'm I'm bad at I'm bad at remembering specifics and comparing all those, so <clears throat> I categorize books by how they how they impress me. And yeah, this mm -hmm. was one that it stood out mm -hmm. as as unique because of how complicated it was, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and you know there was resolution of a sort but not like it wasn't a happy ending book but neither was it like an unresolved nihilistic life is all meaningless kind of thing mm -hmm. so it just yeah it was a it was one to chew on which means i probably it's not fair for me to ask you that question since you just finished it mm -hmm. right before we started recording but that's right that's right it's well, a great book though it's probably one that we could we could both stand to go back and reread it's true but i got so many other books to read it's hard to justify rereading sometimes when i got a shelf of 72 good books that waiting to be read right but what's better to read reread one really great book and see what more you can you can glean from it or to just read another one that you haven't touched it's the false dichotomy but it's a question of time how much if you only have a certain amount of time to read do you want to go back well and someone retread? who reads 100 books plus a year mm -hmm. doesn't have time to read <laughs> how do you use your time to read i guess that's fair i a lot of the books that i count as reading are listened to most fiction mm, yeah. that most fiction that i read these days is listened to not sat down and read because i spend a lot of time in the car mm -hmm. and a lot of time walking the dog and you know doing dishes whatever like i just always have something on so you can get through a ton of books if you if you're listening to them in that context if and i cheat What's I'm that? If you cheat? Okay. All right. Well, I'm just right. kidding. I don't go. feel that way. Okay. Some people do. Some yeah, people some do. Some people are wrong. That's true. Yes. Um, Our friend Brian. <laughs> he's very wrong. Which just he's just what he's trying to do is make himself superior because if he says mm. that listening doesn't count as reading, then that means he probably reads more books than I do per year. If he otherwise otherwise he's way behind right so well i mean really he's, though, he's just trying to change the rules i mean really if he wanted to try to make himself feel superior to either of us he would he would go after the fact that you and i can't grow facial hair fair <laughs> also he would start his own podcast called like the table of contents instead of malcontents <laughs> that's and, right you know try to one us up one up us that's but, right but he wouldn't do it no nope, didn't nope. have he didn't have it in him nope Nope. So. Brian's a coworker here at Lifeway. Mm, okay. Yes. Works closely with Aaron. That's and true. And does not think that audiobooks count as reading. Mm -hmm. Yes. And he's wrong. Yep. He's misguided. Yeah. Yep. 
<laughs> so, did, Jen, when did you start writing? Like, as, a, as you were like, this is a thing that I love to do. So, I mean, that could have been like six years old or like 23 years old or whatever. Yeah, well, a lot of my story is that I always wanted to be a dentist. So I had like tunnel vision towards being a dentist. I know, random. Cause I'm not I don't there. know that I've ever met somebody who always wanted to be a no. dentist. Yeah, well, it's kind of like this book where they say uh, often you are what people say you are. I feel okay. like someone just put that in my head when I was really young and then I believed it and kind of went for it. Hmm. But I kept thinking that throughout the story um, of Beartown. But so I want to be a dentist my whole life pretty much up until college, but I always wrote little poems here and there or little one or two page stories well like so by cuspids and stuff uh no <laughs> just kidding <laughs> <laughs> i did write all of my school yeah. papers on dentistry but you know uh science projects dentistry i was kind of obsessed but <laughs> people want to be dentists you don't like getting your teeth cleaned i think that's why i like i mean i I, I have I never think about the dentist. I mean, I, even, I don't have negative thoughts about the dentist. Like I appreciate you're having not my anti dentite. Is what you're I saying. don't enjoy going to the dentist. <laughs> anti dentite. I don't enjoy going to the dentist, but I don't hate it. I'm not like oh, it's a. I, I hate going to the doctor more than the dentist. Mm. But I, the dentist is just a thing that it's one of those careers that I'm like, yeah, it's a really good career that takes a lot of work to get to, and I never have given thought to any like how and why does somebody get there. Yeah, I literally just kind of made up my mind in sixth grade. Wow. And someone said, hey, you know, there's a lot of female dentists out there these days. You're smart. You can do it. And that was it. I like to go into the dentist. So I thought that would be a good mm. That's goal. also a phrase I haven't heard very often. I liked going to the dentist. Yeah, I still like yeah. going to the dentist. I blew off the dentist to do this today. So oh, for well real? Done. Yep. Now it'll be for another real. six months before you get back. No, no. December. It's fine. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Um, but when I started writing, so I wrote little silly love poems in junior high and little stories here and there about people and my family and stuff. But I didn't start writing for real, I guess, until after college. So I always mm -hmm. liked writing, mm -hmm. but I started writing Christian nonfiction articles yeah. you know, after college just because I'm a Christian, overflow, mm -hmm. put it on the page. Mm -hmm. But I've always loved fiction and writing stories, so I'm just now kind of coming to that just for fun. Yeah. So. Mm -hmm. But even even the like Christian overflow into writing is not a thing that most people do. Like most True. people yeah. don't gravitate to writing out of <clears throat> out of faith, out of thoughtfulness, out of whatever. Like maybe it's a conversation, maybe they read more, maybe some people journal. Most people don't gravitate to writing. What? Yeah. What was it? I mean, was that just sort of something you were like, this feels supernatural? Like this is the natural like outflowing of what I'm thinking about, what I'm reflecting on, what I'm observing? Well, really, it came from a very specific incident in my life. So I talk about this a lot because it really was the beginning of mm -hmm. my writing Christian nonfiction was I had two friends who died within two days of each other or within one day of each other. And one was a Muslim and one was a Christian. Mm -hmm. And the the impact of the difference in mourning was so astounding to me. Yeah, I had yeah. never felt wow. that grieving process. Right. And at the time, I was coaching cross-country, and we had devotions in the morning. And so I basically shared a devotion that morning that was telling of their different 
fates. It was so clear. She clearly mm. rejected the gospel, and he clearly had believed it. So then I just went home and basically wrote word for word that devotional. Mm-hmm. And then uh, after that, I kind of was like, well, I kind of like writing my thoughts. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. that's no, that, makes, that makes sense. I just feel like for – there are some people who love writing since they were a kid, you know, like it's sort of in their blood. And others, there's a tipping point where they're like, oh, this is – maybe it comes out of journaling. Maybe it's like they got asked to write something for a newsletter or something and they kind of it kind of clicks. Yeah. But, yeah, it's like it's always been there that I've loved writing, but I just never thought about it because I had this tunnel vision towards right. science, which I really actually hate, but I didn't know that I hated <laughs> <laughs> until I got to college into a real science program. My school was terrible. It's science in high school so i had no idea but yeah it's always been there i just needed to be reminded that it wasn't yeah just a hobby maybe something i'm gifted at i don't mm-hmm. know i think i'm better at writing fiction than christian nonfiction, but we'll see <laughs> nobody's read my fiction <laughs> has your How? husband read your fiction yes okay. and he said the same thing and he is very critical so i believe him critical like he like a critical thinker or critical like negative. Critical thinker. Okay. Oh, okay. It's like yeah. a like he he just pulls things apart and says like this is the good part. This part yes. could be improved yeah. upon and so. Yep. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Just want to give him a fair shake. Yeah. That he's it's not like just like yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> 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 that would be a different kind of he podcast would not we'd tell have to me, run. So. Oh, you're good. Just because I'm his wife, he would not. Yeah. Is that? I mean, that's that's probably a net positive, but frustrating sometimes. I would imagine. Oh like, yeah. Sometimes you're like, yeah. Could you just tell me you like it. Oh, I do that before he reads every time. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, I do that too with with my wife. Um, you'd say you you just only tell me if you like this. Well, there are certain things where I'm like, don't tear it apart. Do like tell me, give me the answers to to these mm-hmm. three questions. This is what I need. I don't need you going over spelling and grammar. Exactly. And That's what I say. I like say, that. don't talk to me about grammar. Just tell me if the story makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. So. Uh, yeah. Yeah. If you're a self-aware writer, hmm? you usually know where your weak points are. And so you can sort of tease somebody up and go, I wasn't so sure about this aspect. Of yeah. It. You know, this this transition here the or this character in a story or whatever. That's always my conclusion. Yeah. Sticking the landing's hard. Um, especially find, with I find article. starting to be hard too. Like, the oh, fir- I love starting. Mm. That first sentence. Is yeah, fun. really. Yeah, in fiction or okay. nonfiction or both. Both. So I feel like probably more. Again, fiction. I haven't written. I haven't written fictions, but I feel like in fiction mm-hmm. there's a. I mean, there's there you know there's like these seminal lines from stories and and books that that stand out. That's not as true in nonfiction. Mm-hmm. So it has to just be. I don't know. That's I think that's why it's harder because there's less of a there's less of a hook aspect in nonfiction in terms of sucking somebody into something. But there needs to be more of. That's probably true. You know, we don't. Uh, I mean, there is a tendency, in the spheres that we that we travel into, unfortunately, write a little bit boring, and not think that style and connecting with people mm-hmm. on beyond the transmission of information matters. Yeah. That's true. Yeah, it's it's almost in the Christian world and it does it does definitely seem like there's a way the 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 editing leaning is towards uh 
your clarity in your points, yes. not, you know, winsomeness, enjoyability, artfulness in your writing itself. And so I think writers are sort of trained or predisposed. And then a lot of people write Christian nonfiction who are not good writers. They are. That's true. They're maybe they're good preachers. Maybe they're good speaker speakers. Maybe they're they just sort of like platform. yeah, they're yeah they're writing from a place of people will read this, but maybe it's not worth reading. But that's yeah they're not they're not invested in writing. What yeah. so as a writer, two so two two questions you can answer whichever one you want first. What do you read? that makes you that like helps you improve as a writer so or the things that you can tie that to obviously all reading can help us in some capacity so books that you've read that you go man this helped shape me as a writer and second what do you do on a regular basis just to keep growing as a writer Hmm. and those might be the same answer i don't know well I really like reading short stories. Mm-hmm. Um, not many people do <laughs> that I know. <laughs> but I kind of, once I started, I kind of got hooked. So when I read, that helps me a lot because it's I can read it in one sitting mm-hmm. and I circle all the similes or all the vocab I like, the strong verbs, and make a note or whatever. So I feel like usually my pattern is read something, go write something, read something, go write something. Hmm. And that's really easy with the short story. And so um, I love reading Flannery O'Connor. I know she's everyone's favorite. She's on my, my guilty. I haven't read it list. Uh We we did an episode a few, you know, Uh a few weeks ago, those sort of authors you feel guilty for not having read or books. Flannery O'Connor would be on my list of people. I haven't read from the North. I hope you'll get it, but <laughs> my parents are both from the South, so maybe I have a little bit more Southern sensibility than mm-hmm. some Yankees. I don't know. Maybe, but she's yeah, she is everybody's favorite. Well, one you should read is called Parker's Back. It's not one that Parker's Back. Parker's Back. It's not one that is super popular that I had ever heard of. Is that a novel, short story. It's a short story. Okay, it is so good. I usually evaluate a story by the emotion that it leaves me at the ending and this is one that i was so invested after the ending that i thought about it all day and mm, was okay. kind of sad so it's about this man who meets his future wife and she's a christian and he's not and he has tattoos all all over his body basically whenever he's in distress he gets a new tattoo and ultimately it boils down to he's just trying to please her <coughs> and he gets a tattoo of a picture of what he thinks Jesus looks like on his back and the whole process is so drawn out and so painful and he doesn't even want to do this but he's trying to show her like he's religious or something I don't know but so it builds it up builds it up and then when he comes home and shows her she just reprimands him and calls it an idol and says nobody knows what Jesus looks like and and the ending is he's just crying next to a tree and I don't know just after the story I just felt so bad for him (laughs) that it was so good man even just listening to your like Cliff's Notes description there's so much in there about you know, genuine gospel, genuine faith, like Southern Christianity, mm-hmm. both the sort of legalism, hypocrisy, yeah, mm-hmm. the legal, like the legalism aspect of, of the, you know, the condemnation of something like tattoos, but then also the like, 
taking um, just sort of human action steps to to make. I think this is what religiosity looks like. Mm-hmm. Man, this <laughs> putting all that in a story is <laughs> yes. Is crazy. Almost all of her stories mm-hmm. are like that. I read one yesterday at the seminar with Jonathan Rogers. I can't think of which one it was called. A view and uh, from the world. A view. No. Hmm. A view that I don't know where I'm getting view. Something that can save you. But she, the two characters, you know, are rednecks, and they keep misquoting scripture <laughs> or using it out of context, and it's just it's really funny. But there's it's always funny, but there's such deeper convictions underlying it. All right. Well, you've sold me. I need to read Flannery yeah. O'Connor because if you can be funny and have deeper meaning, you, you're doing my favorite things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And be able to weave religious meaning into something without it being like this kind of overt, um, aggressive, in-your-face, preachy kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you read her. I'll read Leif Anger. Leif Anger. Leif Anger. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, listeners, we discovered before we started recording that Jen has not read any of Leif Anger's books, so this is – this is exciting because we yes. now have we now have somebody who's a potential convert to another favorite author. So which That's one right. should I read? Peace Like a River. Yes. It's just, I think it, that one's on my list. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All, he's only written three novels because he writes a book like every eight years. Mm-hmm. That's He's the one of those. He just takes a long time to craft these. So but, like opposite of Jared Wilson? Yes. Completely. Yes. Yeah. Who writes yeah. a book every eight weeks. That's right. Um, <laughs> gospel-centered something, something, something every eight <laughs> weeks. Um and he's got a lot to draw from. You know, yeah, it's true. There's a lot of good news. Yeah. Um, but Peace Like a River is his kind of – it's his first novel and probably his best. And his others have a kind of a different tone and direction, mm-hmm. but both excellent. But if you like yeah. that one, you'll like the others. But it's definitely his best yeah. one. I think it's kind of universally agreed on. I don't think that's just uh-huh. a – I don't think I've met anybody who likes his other two novels better than Peace Like a River. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I read them in a different order. So okay. I read Virgil Wander first, and then I read Peace Like a River. Okay, and I like them both. Yeah, but I like them for different reasons. Hmm. Um, so and his read, book, his books are very hard to describe. When people yeah. are like, what are they about? You're like, that's not the point. <laughs> Everything and nothing. <laughs> Yeah, the point it's is, like Seinfeld. It's, yeah, yeah. it's very – it's nothing like Seinfeld because his books have meaning and Seinfeld was meaningless. Well, yes, which is I like that, that was the point of Seinfeld. Yes, yes. yes also, yes. it was hilarious. And his books aren't really hilarious, although he, he does have a really dry, understated sense of humor. Mm-hmm. Now, it's very much more like the heart and direction of humankind and how they inter- – how humans interact with each other in situations. And it's just – yeah. Other than that, it's hard to describe except that mm-hmm. he, he writes it. Almost perfectly. Hmm. You you will enjoy it, I suspect. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Since we're in Nashville, have y'all read Ann Patchett? No. Do y'all know haven't. Ann Patchett? I know the name. Yeah. No. She lives here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, she is one of the owners of um, one of my Parnassus. favorite indie bookstores. Mm. Oh, does she co-own Parnassus? She does. I didn't know that. Okay. Yeah. And that's what that is. And you are the best. Thought you could support you her. You are the best. Guest ever, <laughs> you brought us gifts. Yeah, Parnassus is including cookies. I've only been to Parnassus a couple of times because it's not on my way to anywhere, and I avoid the Green Hills area of Nashville because it's, it's like fair. five minutes from here. 
Wow. Ten. Ten. Yeah, it's not that far. But it's I live the other direction. <laughs> mm. And so yeah. but getting in and out of Green Hills is not always easy. Mm-hmm. If you find the right time yeah, of day, it's yeah, not bad. Yeah. But I went to Starbucks and Chipotle yesterday and it took me an hour. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's about right. But point three miles away from Every time I'm at Parnassus I I'm like, Oh, I should I don't want to leave. I would like to be here for even her dogs are there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was Two dogs walking around. Real old black dog that I saw yeah, walking yeah. around yeah. there. Limping. Yeah. Well, she just released a novel, The Dutch House. Okay. I haven't read that one yet, but it it's coming probably next week. But I read Commonwealth before that because I was waiting on The Dutch House to release. <laughs> but I had never heard of Ann Patchett. I'm probably crazy until she came to the Mississippi Book Festival and she was mm-hmm. there and she was like the big speaker. <laughs> and then I read Commonwealth and... It was so good. The first, like, two chapters, I almost abandoned it because just the language and the vulgar details. I don't know if the vulgar details were in the first two chapters, but I just remember it was a little distasteful for me. Mm -hmm. But I loved how she wrote. Like, the first sentence of the entire book is so good. It's called Commonwealth? Commonwealth, yes. I'm taking notes. It's basically a story of, of family that goes through divorce and then remarry and then it's this family of like six stepkids and mm. it's a story of secrets you know yeah this bear town we kept hearing yeah uh it's, secret it's a terrible yeah. thing to keep secrets from someone you love yeah and the story of commonwealth is big about a family secret and the whole book you're trying to unfold what really happened there's a death in the family and she goes back between five decades throughout the mm-hmm. book. And usually I don't like uh, flashbacks or anything. It doesn't seem like a flashback because she tells it in the present. Mm-hmm. And it just was really flowing. Like I never was confused what decade we were in. Mm-hmm. And it was just really good because you see the characters grow up. And um, it starts with a party, ends with a party. The first party, there's two significant people who build a relationship and they end with those two people left. And so I just think she did some really neat things with the story. Commonwealth and passion. All right. I got, yeah, mm-hmm. got that one down. I had, but I hear the Dutch house is better. So okay. mm. cool. Well, I'm looking forward to checking out both of those. Those, I mean, if it books like that, that are well, that are written that well, those are ones that I will listen to, and then I have to go buy a copy because I'm like, oh, I, I actually need – this is like a pen-in-hand novel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Most novels aren't worthy of a pen-in-hand. They're just – you just sort of cruise through. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I listened to Beartown and Us Against You first and then had to purchase them. Mm-hmm. And I've – you know, same with – I think Conroy's books I read first. But, yeah, somebody like Leif Anger, somebody like Frederick Bachman, it sounds like somebody like Ann Patchett, those are not listening books. They got. They have too much going on. Too mm-hmm. much quality. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't know if y'all do this, but when I am reading a lot of books, I am analyzing them as a writer. Do you mm-hmm. do that since you're a writer? Less fiction Someone? because it because I don't write it. Yeah, I what I will I'll analyze sentences. Mm-hmm. So when I like you know there's some like slam you to a screeching halt sentences where you just go how in the world did the author just do that? Mm-hmm. And I'll. I'll sit there and chew on those for a while. But like as a whole, I tend to sort of consume stories in bulk just mm-hmm. because because it's the it's the it's the whole experience for me. Uh, nonfiction I I pick apart as a writer more. Yeah. 
Mm. See, I do pick apart um, fiction quite a bit, but that's actually why I read fiction multiple times is mm. one is just one read through or multiple read throughs are just pure enjoyment. The, um, but others are, um, are for figuring out, okay, how did you get here? What, like figuring out all the structure pieces mm -hmm. and seeing how it all flows and doesn't yeah. flow that kind of thing. So I think if I was going to take the plunge into writing fiction, even just, even just for my own benefit, like just trying it, I would read fiction very differently. Cause yeah, it would mm -hmm. be very yeah, much yeah. more what makes, what makes a character stand out. How did, like, how did you write the character? How did you introduce the character? How do you describe setting? How do you like, what is a plot structure that works? Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, go read like seven basic plot lines and some, who's mm -hmm. that? Is it Robert, somebody or other? Yeah, I can't, can't remember. remember. Um, so. so those kinds of things. Yeah. All of which I'm aware of, none of which I study. Yeah. Because it all just, I'm like, that. for me, that feels like sitting at the top of a water slide. And I'm like, if I go, I'm going to go all the way down this mm -hmm. thing. And mm -hmm. it's going to, it might be fun. It would be a lot <laughs> of fun. It might drown. <laughs> nah, it'll be fun. It'll be fun. You should do it. You should do it. I'm in the middle of another book project. Give me well, a minute. Fi okay, finish yeah. the one. Finish the one you're late on, and then <laughs> not late yet. <laughs> I'm just. By the time this I'm releases, a, you being, might be. I'm being aggressively inspired by deadlines. That's that's the way I'll phrase <laughs> that's it. That's a great way to describe procrastination. I have well a book done. manuscript due in December, hmm. and I have the written... non-curious Christian. <laughs> yes, <laughs> the less curious Christian. <laughs> no, it's uh, the it doesn't have Christian. a it doesn't have a title yet. It's about happiness and expectations. So, mm. kind of a Ecclesiastes lens on what is reasonable to expect out of this life. Mm. You know, I think sometime mm. we should actually try to workshop that title. What's that? We should try to workshop that title on on the show. Okay, if we come up with good suggestions or Wait, terrible, like how y'all did Gladwell's thing. Absolutely, <laughs> I hope not exactly like that because I hope I'm not writing tropes like <laughs> like he yeah. has at various times. That's right. That's right. Do you read his stuff? I read Outliers. Outliers. Yeah, that yeah. was it. Okay, it was okay. Yeah, that's about right. Yeah, his it's a great TED talk. There always there's always yeah. interesting parts to it. He is a great researcher. He's a Get really good storyteller who just doesn't come to any conclusions ever. <laughs> <laughs> so you're like, man, that was 300 pages of like. Yeah, I liked the beginning. Yeah. I remember. It's, it's very postmodern. It that feels way. very like at this point, it feels like novelty more than learning. If you're reading to learn something, you you have to work really hard to learn anything yeah. out of his books. All right. Like to come Ooh. to any conclusions. That's true. All right. So on that note, that's uh, a place for us to to wrap up our conversation for this episode. But we're going to come back and do another because we're at almost an hour Ooh. on this one. All right. So um, so we are even going to hold off because I know I know we asked you to do the, the Jack Reacher sucker punch of the week. Mm -hmm. Do you want to do, do you think you got two in here or do you want to hold off until next episode? Or well, does Barnabas have one that he's dying to let loose? Uh, I mean, I have, I have, I always have somebody I'm ready to sucker punch. But if you, if you're, if you're ready, this is the guest prerogative to. That's true. That's true. We we reserve this honor for our guests. Only have one, and it's a okay. typical chick reader comment. But <laughs> we need more of those on this podcast. That's we what we've heard. Okay. Okay. We, we benefit from those. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's why I'm here. All right. So, do y'all read Jane Austen? Occasionally. I, I mean, I don't think y'all would like it. <laughs> it's fine. But Mrs. No, I, Bennett 
I was Pride and Prejudice. Okay. Maybe y'all have seen the movie. No, but I was she... chastised by by a previous guest. Karen Swallow Pryor was on. Oh. Expert loves Austin, yeah. and I said I hadn't read any. And she just sort of looked at me like, "You're living an empty void." Life. It was. It was the "You're dead to me" eyes. That, she was uh, no. She was. It was the literary <laughs> like, "Oh, you're missing out on so many good things," but also you're kind of pathetic. Look, yeah. oh, which is probably okay. fair. But I don't know Mrs. Yeah. Bennett, but describe why Mrs. Bennett needs to be suffered from. So when you think of a dripping faucet, <laughs> that is her. <laughs> That's, that is such a savage description. I love it. Yes, she nags and nags and nags. All she is obsessed with is getting her daughters married, which mm. Austin really exaggerates that to mm-hmm. show the time period. And she never married, so... Mm-hmm. She clearly had bad views of people who put so much emphasis on that. So, mm-hmm. but she is the dripping faucet for sure. If I had a definition, there we go. Like <laughs> that's, yeah, that's a cruel and wonderful description. I like yeah. it. I like it. All right, cool. Well, let's uh, let's call it an episode at that. Listeners, thanks for hanging out with us, and uh, we'll talk to you a little later. This is an area code podcast.